Good evening, everyone. Um, I know what you're thinking. It's another bold preacher up here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to, before I start, I just wanted to say thank you uh, to the uh, leadership and this church for giving me the opportunity to share a message. Um, initially, I was a little hesitant and, and I didn't want to do it. I was battling my flesh, but uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, get, he puts us in an uncomfortable position and we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So here I am, <laughs> right? So um, I wasn't sure what I, uh, I wanted to uh, share because there was a lot, actually. You read the Bible, there's so many things. It's, it's rich in, in um, pr- um, everything, right? It's rich in poetry and, and knowledge and wisdom, history, everything. It's all there. But I wanted to um, go for the jugular, basically, and <laughs> preach about the gospel. So um, if you can stand with me. Hold on. All right. So if you guys don't mind turning to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, and please stand uh, with me in a reading uh, of the word, uh, verses 1 through 5. Right? The gospel is uh, central to our belief. So if there was one thing and I only had one shot, this, this would be it. <laughs> Amen. So uh, let's read. So 1 Corinthians 15. Chapter 1 through 5. The word of the Lord says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, who is Peter, and then by the twelve. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for the breath in my lungs, the breath in our lungs, Lord God, and thank you, Lord, for your grace, your love, and your mercy, which is new every day, Lord God. I pray that um, you just speak through me, and I pray that I'm uh, faithful in delivering your message, Lord God, and May this message uh, be um, received by those who need to receive it and be reminded to those who need to be reminded, Lord God, of your uh, finished work on the cross, Lord God, by your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray all this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, to give a little background here and context, uh, this is the Apostle Paul um, with his message to the Corinthians. He wrote this letter, letter um, in Ephesus which was um, around 53, 54 AD, and he was delivering it to the Corinthians. Now, the church of Corinth was right in the middle of um, probably the, one of the worst places in the world at that time. It would be modern-day uh, Vegas, which is titled the City of Sin. So everything in, in, in Corinth was there, every evil thing. <laughs> so... Um, Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians because um, they were being overtaken by all these, the, these um, temptations and, and people were, were not, were getting swayed by other um, beliefs. Um, some people didn't think or, or believe that there was a resurrection. Um, 
chapter 15 actually is of Corinthians is the uh, chapter of resurrection. It's the most um, comprehensive chapter about the, com- uh, about the resurrection uh, in all of the Bible. So if you're interested in that, read, read all of it. So this is actually called the resurrection gospel in some of um, the books. So I'm going to go uh, verse by verse. Uh, for verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. So I highlighted some words here. It's um, what stood out to me regarding the gospel. Over here, Paul declares the gospel. He preaches the gospel. He received the gospel, and he also stands on the gospel. And he's talking to the church here, but it's also talking to us, right? The gospel is central to our belief, and we are to declare the gospel. We are to preach it. The word there in Greek actually means to preach and teach. Okay, so, and also, you received it, right? You can't, you can't give something you don't have. So, you need to have the gospel in order to give it, right, to, the, to others. And you stand on it. This is central to our belief, and this is what we stand on. It, it hinges on um, the resurrection, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, Christianity. Verse 2, he says, By which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. I highlighted save because it's the gospel that saves. Right? Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and was resurrected. His finished work saves us from, from what? From death, from, from hell. So, just going back, the gospel is to be declared, to be preached, to be received. We stand on it. And the gospel saves. Amen. <laughs> and in the last part, it says, unless you believe in vain. This um, verse reminds me of the parable of the, the sower, right? Remember, um, there was seed that was thrown, and there was four types of seed, which was a metaphor for our hearts. There was the, no soil. There was rocky uh, ground. There was thorny. And then there was good soil, Right? So just because you heard it, you know, I don't know if you guys have shared the gospel. Some people hear it and they just walk away. Some people get mad. You know, they don't care. Some people um, believe it for a little bit and then their whole life falls apart, right? The world happens and the, their whole life falls apart. So that's what I think about when, you, when it says here, unless you believed in vain, um, Verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So, I just want to emphasize that uh, Paul says he received it first, right? I, I mentioned earlier, you have to receive it in order to give it. You have to receive the gospel first. And so what is the gospel, right? The gospel, uh, in itself, the word literally means in Greek, euangelion, or um, good news, right? And everybody, you, I've always heard this when I was, uh, before I was a believer, what's the good news, you know? The, have you heard the good news? Um, and I didn't understand it, not until I received Christ. But the good news is, right there, Christ died for our sins. And when he says according to the scriptures, he's not talking about the New Testament, Every time he says according to the scriptures, Paul is talking about the Old Testament, the Tanakh, prophecy, 
right? And prophecy is a quarter of the scriptures, and Christ fulfilled um, most of it, and, and soon to be fulfilled um, some um, in the future when he comes back. So I'm, I looked at some verses regarding sin. In Ecclesiastes 7.20, um, it says, Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all have sinned. And there's no one innocent. There's no one good. No, not one, right? That's what the, the Bible teaches. Um, and it's right there in the Old Testament and Ecclesiastes. So if you've been in this church for a while, you probably know what the Greek word for sin is. Anybody? Hamartia, right? Pastor Frank is big on that um, uh, Greek word, hamartia. It means to miss the mark. So I decided to dig a little deeper because this is Wednesday night and people are more serious here. So <laughs> up there I have the Hebrew word, which is pronounced kata. It means to fail or to miss the mark. That's basically what sin is. Um, God has a perfect standard, and you and me, we all missed it. It's the image of an arrow being shot at a target, and we all missed, right? And for the Bereans, I gave you the Strong's Concordance in Hebrew over there, <laughs> if you want to look that up. Um, so I looked at what that word means in the Old Testament, and I wanted to see examples of it. In Judges, there was a tribe uh, of Benjamin who were all left-handed, and they were so good at throwing the stone that they could not miss. In Judges 20:16, it says, Among all these people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss or not kata. So they can hit a piece of hair. And that's how good they were. <laughs> um, Proverbs 19:2. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he sins, or kata, who hastens with his feet. And I looked into this also. And the imagery is basically, if you were walking in a, in a forest and there was a sign, but you were in such a rush, you actually missed, missed the sign. You missed the mark and you went the wrong way because you were in a rush. And so, and <laughs> I'm actually going to talk a lot about sin. I looked over my message and I'm like, most of this is about sin, but... I'll get to it. <laughs> I'll explain. Why is sin so bad, right? Here, let me show you an example. So, sin. And in the Bible, there's many, many examples of what sin is. It explains in, in, um, in, in thoroughness exactly what it is, gives you examples. But let, let me pick one, and it's telling a lie, because I probably assume we all, we all told a lie at one point in our lives, Right? So if you lie, it's, it's really a matter of who, you, who you're sinning against. If you lie to an inanimate object, like a chair or table, if I lie to this uh, pulpit and say, you know, I robbed the bank, shot the guard, took the money, nothing happens, right? If I lie to my loved one, babe, I robbed the bank, shot the guard, stole the money, my kids would probably laugh at me, my wife would... Sorry. And, um, but that's the result, and that's the extent of the consequence. Now, if I go to the authorities, 
And I lie to either the police or my boss at work, and I say, um, Dante or Anthony, hey, uh, police officer, I robbed the bank, stole, stole uh, all the money and shot the guard. Probably get jail time, probably get a psyche eval, probably get fired at work. But that's the extent of it. But if I lie to God, the result is death. There's, there's no in-between, Right? It's death or nothing. There's no jail time. There's no upset, dead. So that's the severity of sin. Even if you tell a little lie, sin is sin to God. And he can't have anything to do with it because God is holy. He is good and he is righteous. And he can have nothing to do with sin. And ultimately, um, it's, it's who you do it to and that's God. So in Genesis 39, um, verse 9, uh, this is a story about Joseph. And for those that don't know, let me give you an, uh, an overview. Joseph was one of um, jo- uh, Jacob's son um, in the, uh, and, or Israel. And he was the favorite son and his brothers got jealous and decided to kill him, but went against it and decided to sell him to slavery and he was sold to a slave, uh, as a slave, he was sold to Potiphar in Egypt, and he became, because he was so good as a worker, he became second in command to um, Potiphar's um, household. He was in command of everything. So in this uh, uh, verse, he, he says, There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he, Potiphar, kept back anything from me but you, his wife, because you are his wife. This is Potiphar's wife who wanted to Uh, lie with Joseph, commit adultery with Joseph. So he goes, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin, kata, against God? Joseph didn't say, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Potiphar, my master? He wasn't concerned about his earthly master. He was concerned about his heavenly master, which was God. So I just want you guys to to think about that in, in, in general. Everything that we do, every time that we miss the mark, it's not to our wives, our kids, our neighbors, our loved ones. Partially it is, but ultimately it's to God. And um, I remember, <laughs> I remember um, Lenny um, told me one time at uh, a Bible um, study, he said, you know, just imagine Jesus standing in front of your wife next time you have an argument. It's like, what are you doing to my daughter, you know? So it's not just me arguing against my wife. It's Jesus is there, you know? He's, he's with us. So that sin is against God, um, ultimately. Another example, in Acts 5, 3, and 4, if you guys know the story of Ananias and Sapphira, when they sold the land and they lied about it because they kept part of it back, Right? says, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and kept back part of the, uh, the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why then have, have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And he then shortly after dies. He drops dead. Um, right away. Um, and off topic, this is another, this verse actually is one of the verses that prove that the Holy Spirit is God. 
right there. He says he lies to the Holy Spirit, and then at the, at the end, he says he lies to God, right? Because so we, believe, we believe in a trinity. <clears throat> so the moral law, a lot of people look at the moral law and say it's, it's bad because, you know, it, it says that you're not good enough. But that's exactly what it's supposed to do because it shows us our need of a savior. The moral law is like a mirror. A mirror can only show you how dirty you are if you have something in your teeth, but it can't brush your teeth for you. It can't give you a bath, and that's it. doesn't mean that the mirror is bad. It just means it's just showing you how bad you are. So that's what the moral law does. Um, and ultimately, it points us to Jesus because we need a Savior. And only, only Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And he's, he's the only one who kept the law. James 2.10 says, for, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble at one point, he is guilty of all. So you can look through all that and say, oh, I've never committed murder. I've never you know, committed adultery. I'm a faithful husband. I'm a faithful wife. But just one, you broke everything. You broke all of it. Right? And even Jesus in Matthew uh, 13, no, Matthew, no, John 5, sorry, he ramped it up and said, if you've been angry, right, you've committed murder. If you had an, a lustful, adulterous thought, you've commi- I mean, you, if you had a lustful thought, you've committed adultery, right? So even then, it's just, it's impossible. We can't do it. We can't do it ourselves. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So, and I know some of you are going to say there's more to that passage, and I'll get to that um, after. But this verse says, the wages of sin is death. And what is wages? It's what we deserve. We deserve death. We deserve punishment, hell, eternal separation from God. Wages is when you go to work, right? You put in your time, you get paid. Those are your wages. It's what you deserve. Over here it says the wages of sin is death. We sin, we deserve death. So you're probably wondering, I'm talking all about being a sinner, saying, okay, I get it, I'm a sinner, I deserve death, and now what? So let me get back to the other verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the good news. It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? You receive it, right? You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It's a gift. It's, even if you tried, you can't. It's too big of a, a, a debt that we cannot pay. And the gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's what you do with the gift. You receive it, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart. In the finished work of Jesus Christ, not in yourself, but in Jesus. Amen? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's, it's grace. It's, it's got nothing to do with what we did. It's what Christ did. Grace is getting something you don't deserve, right? Mercy is not getting something you deserve. And 
He shows us that in, in Jesus. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's plain and, and clear right there. Not of works. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we do good works because we are saved. We're not saved because we do good works, right? The saying goes, um, a dog barks not to be a dog, but he barks because he's a dog, right? So we do good works because we're saved, not because we want to be saved or to be saved. So verse 4, it says, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Um, And again, the scriptures referring to the Tanakh. And that's central to what we believe in because he rose again. He was buried. Being buried means he died. You bury the dead. He rose again is very um, important because without that resurrection, we believe in our, our faith is in vain. Um, Jesus died for nothing if, if he didn't rise from the dead. And so let me, uh, let me share with you some scriptures that Paul was referring to. Um, Psalm 16.10, it says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Hosea 6.2 says, After two days he will revive us, and then on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Again, prophecy, right? 1 Peter 2.22.24 says, and he quotes um, Isaiah 53 here, 53.9, Who committed no sin, nor was there deceit found in his mouth? When, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. The son committed himself to the father. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, which is the cross, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So, since this is Wednesday night, I wanted to have a little little quiz. If I were to ask you who resurrected Jesus from the dead, who would you say? God? Who says the Father? Who says the Son? Who says the Holy Spirit? Yeah? So the answer is yes. <laughs> the Father. Paul an apostle. Galatians 1.1. Paul an apostle, not from men, through, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Romans 6.2. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So if you said Father, you're right. If you said Son, you're also right. Jesus answered to them, uh, sorry, John 2.19, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. John 10.18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. If you said the Holy Spirit, you're also right. The Spirit, Romans 8.11, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, 
right? He's, Christ isn't dying every time. Just once, just for the, un, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. You said God, you're also right. And we touched upon this verse earlier. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the Trinity. Acts 13, 33, 35. I'm going to go through a lot of verses and I apologize. If you want to um, take a picture, <laughs> just go on YouTube, take a screenshot. It's going to be a clearer picture. Um, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, that he has raised up Jesus as it was written in the second Psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised Jesus from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore he also says in another Psalm, this was Psalm 1610, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. Not corruption like he, um, you know, was corrupt. Um, He's talking about decay, body decay. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. His his body was only dead for a few days. He was not decayed. He was raised up. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So only through Jesus, amen? There's only one name under heaven, and that's Jesus. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, the last verse, I actually wanted to include verse 6 also, but it says, and that he was seen by Cephas, who was Peter, and then by the twelve. Cephas is the Aramaic uh, word for rock and Petros was the, Hebrew, uh, the, the Greek uh, that's for Peter and then verse 5 uh, uh, verse 6 actually says you know after he was seen he was seen by over 500 brethren at once right so how do you prove that you came back from the dead you show up right <laughs> it's simple if I died and then three days later I came back You'd say, oh, you're alive. Praise God. So this is proof that he came back from the dead. And um, in that, the last verse, which I should have included here, he was seen by 500. If you've ever seen the movie um, Case for Christ, Lee Strobel was an atheist who um, wanted to prove Christianity wrong, right? And um, he went to he went he looked through the scriptures and he went to a psychologist because people the atheist uh, community was saying that it was a hallucination, you know Jesus came back and people were hallucinating. It's clinically impossible for 500 people to have the same hallucination. Um, I've I've been a nurse for about 13 years, 12 years. And I did uh, my rotation in the psychiatric uh, facility, and I've seen all the uh, um, psych patients that have hallucinations. I haven't seen anyone, any two people who had the same hallucination. All right, so it's impossible um, to have the same hallucination by 500 people. 
So what do you do with this? What do you do with, with the gospel, right? Earlier, Paul preached it. You receive it. You teach it. You declare it. If you want to know the gospel um, and you wanted to share it, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5, 6 is a comprehensive and simplified way of, of explaining the gospel. The gospel in one verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel in a nutshell right there in one verse. He loved you so much that he died for you. And it's a relationship. It's not religion. Um, and so you receive it, right? I just wanted to share before um, I close, I wanted to share when I was uh, younger, so I grew up in the Catholic faith, and I knew all about Jesus. And I know, I know that he died. I know that I see him on the cross. I know that he died for the sins, but it never made sense to me. I saw John 3.16 signs. I looked it up. never made sense to me. I had the spiritual uh, blinders. Uh, when I was, I think, five or six, my grandmother uh, my, on my mom's side passed away. And I was young enough to know that it was a sad moment and it was people were crying. But I had, I had no emotion. I remember vividly pretending to cry trying to cry. I see my cousins crying. And we lived in a, it was a very big family. On my dad's side, there was 12 brothers and sisters, and I had a lot of cousins. My mom's side, there was nine. Um, and I emphasize that because I had so many cousins, and it was just one grandmother, right? And she had so many grandchildren. I never had a relationship with my grandmother. So it was, I knew that the death was, was sad, and it was you know, not good, and people are supposed to cry, but I never had a relationship, and I couldn't get the tears out. And so, it's the same when I finally understood what Jesus did for me. Uh, before the relationship, I, I just looked at Jesus, and I know of him. I was a, uh, someone that was in the Catholic Church. I read, <laughs> I, was, I did the first reading, second reading. I served in the Catholic Church. It was just going religion, going through the motions. And I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And it's not until you have that relationship that you fully understand what he actually, well, you don't fully understand it, but you have an understanding of what he did, what he saved you from, right? And <laughs> there's, if you've seen all the movies um, of Jesus dying on the cross, uh, the passion for Christ was one of them. A lot of people saw um, the, the brutality of what he went through. He was just blood all over his face, skin tearing off. And, to be, to, and I don't want to bring down or, or, or diminish the, the cross and that part of being beaten. But what the movies don't really show you is the extreme pain that Jesus went through when he was separated from the Father. He took that cup that he prayed in Gethsemane. He prayed three times, Father, please take this cup away from me. And all of God's wrath 
that cup was poured upon Jesus. That's something you don't see in the movies. It's hard to convey how much, uh, how painful that must have been. Eternal separation from the Father. Jesus was with the Father in all time, in the right hand, in his bosom. And that one moment, he took that cup that we deserved. We deserve that cup. And he drank it all at one time. So, I encourage you, if you have not um, given your life to Christ, please do so. It's time's, time's running out, guys. It's the, uh, we're, we're nearing the end, and uh, Jesus will be coming back, and you don't want to um, meet him as the conquering Messiah, the conquering king. You want to meet him as the Savior. Amen? So I encourage you, share the gospel. Preach it, teach it, um, hang on to it for your life. Amen. Music team, please um, make your way. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Amen. Thank you, Raphael. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word, precious truth. Let's stand together as we close in the song before we go into a time of prayer. Um, meditate on what he taught. I hope you took notes. If you didn't, you can always watch it again and take notes. It's really important to take notes because as you write things down, it just really it goes into another part of your brain. And the Lord brings it back when you need it, right? We just want to be with you, Lord. Let's spend this time in drawing near. Father God, I am here to spend this time in drawing near. I have not come to ask of you just want to be with you, to be with you, to cry with you in quiet and peace, to know the joy, to know the joy, a sweet relief. Face to face, I know it's true, I just want to be be with you, beholding your glory, to dwell with you forevermore, 
just want to be with you. Father God, Father God, I am here. Spend this time drawing near. I have not come to ask of you. I just want to be with you. Oh, to be with you, Lord. To be with you. Just want to be with you. Oh, yes, we do, Lord. To be with you. Beholding your glory. To dwell with you, Lord, forevermore. I just want. Wow, let's sing that one more time. Let him know you want to be with him. To be with you. Beholding your glory. To dwell with you forevermore. I just want to be. That is our prayer. We thank you for your indwelling Holy Spirit, Lord, allowing us to be in your presence, to hear the truth of your word, Lord God, to receive it, to truly understand, Lord, my revelation, a divine revelation of your holy word, Lord. God, we ask your blessing on this night, Lord, as we go into prayer time, Father God, that you would just lead us in prayer, teach us, show us what it is that we need to lift up to you, Lord, and allow us this time of fellowship and sweet communion with you, Lord. Fellowship with each other as well, Lord God. Bless this time, inhabit our praises, lead us in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray.